Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to, hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin, coming to you live from the XS Tennis Club in Chicago for this year's Division One ITA National Indoors. The women playing this week in Chicago. Next week, the men in Madison, our Crack Rackets team, fortunate enough to be doing not only the play-by-play coverage, but in-depth, in-depth coverage of both events, interviews with the participating players and coaches, you know, the fun sort of gimmicks you've grown to. Uh, accustomed to from us here at Cracked Rackets. We're excited to do all of that and more this weekend. But before we do any of that, we have to preview the action. And joining me to preview this year's Division One National Indoors for the women, you know him as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames. And the guy who will not be joining me this weekend, but will be joining me next weekend in Madison in the play-by-play booth for this event, Chris Halliores. Hey, Great shot, and welcome back to the program. How are you today? I'm doing great, Alex. Good to be uh, good to be back on talking some tennis. Oh, always a pleasure. And these next two weekends are our weekends, Chris. It's really the you know Super Bowl, Grand Slam. Well, I guess NCAA is in May as well, but this is you know now the college t- tennis season really underway. Oh yeah, no doubt. And and at least here, right, we get to see all uh, uh, we we get to see, well not all of the 16 tops maybe, but you know we get 16 teams in one place, not just eight like you'll have at the at the final. So in some respects, kind of even a little more fun. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. This is the last event now because the round of 16 uh, has separated that. You get 16 of, well, be generous and say 16 of the top 20 programs in the country, right, all here this weekend to compete in this event. There were 15 ITA kickoff weekend regionals, four teams in each of those regions, so 60 teams competing uh, in that opening weekend. Of course, host schools uh, for both the men and the women get the automatic bid, so Illinois for the women, Wisconsin for the men, both guaranteed spots over these next two weekends. What we're going to be doing today, previewing that ITA Women's Match, as we uh, ITA Women's National Indoors Tournament, as we mentioned, 16 teams. So it starts out at a round of 16. They seed everyone at the get-go. From there, you go win, move on, you lose, you're kicked out. So quarterfinals, semifinals, finals now because uh, these teams are here for the rankings points to play matches. It's not the NCAAs. It's not win or go home. If you lose your round of 16, you lose your quarterfinal you will be guaranteed a third match here for a team and when we recap this weekend when we uh, start getting closer to the seedings and the NCAAs the wins you have over the course of this weekend even as a backdrop win become more and more significant but what we'll be focusing on today look there again 16 of the top 20 teams in the country this is as close you get to the NCAAs before it happens we want to preview all the action so we're going to be going through each of the eight round of 16 matches talking about the teams competing in them what we expect for them 
them, not only in this national indoors tournament, but where they stand in terms of you know their contention spots, what they expect from their program during the 2020 season. We'll try and limit each of these to five minutes. Otherwise, as you as we've learned uh, here at Crack Records, these preview podcasts can hit the two-hour mark. So we'll try and go five minutes per match, talk about the teams, give the favorites, end with some predictions in general semifinalist, finalist, champion of this event. And hopefully you guys will feel better prepared when we're when you're done listening to this. Chris, that sound good to you? Sounds awesome. All right, well then, with that in mind, Westoff, give me my first starting of the clock, please. So the place I want to start, and we're going to do all these matches by time frame. So the 9 a.m.s first, then the 12 o'clocks, the 3.30s, the 6.30s. Let's start uh, with the number two seed UNC finalists at five of the uh, at the last five national indoor events. Winners of two out of the last five they won in 2015 and 2018. Last year they make the final here, knocked off 4-3 by Georgia. And I know this is the number two seed. Uh, they're going to play Arizona State in the first round, and we can talk about Arizona State in a second, but Chris, this is the team I'm most excited to see this weekend. This UNC team, they returned five of their starters from a team that lost twice last year in that ITA final and in the NCAA semifinals for two to the eventual champion Stanford. It's a team that had, you know, three of the top ten players in the country last year in Alexa Graham, Sarah Davitella, and McKenna Jones. They bring in Elizabeth Scotty, Cameron Mora. They bring back. She's taken a big jump early in the fall. You could argue that this UNC team has maybe even six of the top, you know, 50 players in the country right now. This roster is that loaded. Oh, there's no – yeah, no question. I don't know how you can – you have to look at this – I. When I saw this, and the fact that they're not the number one seed, was I was just shocked. I mean, okay, Stanford, you're defending national champion, so um, you know, you, hard to get away from them. But still, North Carolina just put the singles talent for sure. Uh, you know, they've got five ranked players, one of whom, you know, in McKenna Jones was what their number one player last year at number six. Now, I mean. This is a ridiculous lineup. No, it's that they've knocked off Georgia Tech, or not Georgia Tech, excuse me, that they knocked off Vanderbilt, a team we have grown so accustomed over these past 10 years to seeing compete at the highest levels of the game. I mean, they beat this Vanderbilt team 7-0, Chris, and they didn't even break a sweat, you know, a 4-0 win over Michigan, who's also here this weekend in their ITA kickoff weekends. They lost, to, uh, uh, they didn't lose a point to Auburn. They dropped one point to Old Dominion, but they haven't really played their full lineup yet. They they really haven't flexed their muscles in that. You know, they haven't dropped the doubles point, so they can feel good about that. As I mentioned, this is a team that did make the national indoor finals in the last five seasons. Chapel Hill, though, in the south, a place where they get plenty of indoor tennis in. I'm going to say it now. These are my favorites to win the tournament, this team. Oh, you're right there with me. I don't think there's going to be any disagreement there. <laughs> I was, you know, I, I do. I am a little curious to see the. What, what they've got in for a lineup. Have you managed to get your hands on the lineups yet? So we drove up to Chicago today. As I mentioned, I'm sitting courtside right now. I believe UNC was one of the teams to practice earlier in the day. I think they're going by when you're scheduled to play. So first off, we had UNC, Arizona State, NC State, Princeton. Right now we're in the final stretch of UCLA and Illinois, Texas and FSU right now all on court, and we'll talk about those matches in a second. So I haven't seen the chance, uh, had, had the chance to see this uh, uh, U- 
UNC team yet. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm very much looking forward to it. It's the fact that they can really pull out seven, maybe even eight players. You know, Anka Yarlagata, someone who actually grew up playing at the same club as me. And I'll say this, if she has a good college career, Chris, I used to beat her O and O and O and O. And I'm also probably, you know, a hundred or maybe a thousand or maybe even 10,000 years older than her. Uh, but yeah. I'll take it. Um, but yeah, for this yeah. team, I mean, y- y- you have to imagine McKenna Jones who reached number one in the country. She's not going to end up at six singles. Uh, I know. You well, know. no, that's, and that's why I was asking if you'd seen the lineups because, you know, they can only move them a spot a match. And so she played six in their final match, the kickoff weekend. Then she played five against, Michigan, and then she played four against Vanderbilt. So they've been moving her up a spot each match. So I'm curious to see where she is submitted for this weekend. But yeah, she's not, she's not going to be six. She's already been up, up to four against Vandy. And that's, you know, so the question is, does she move up another spot to three now, or are they leaving her at four? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's early in the season, but that's the thing. They have the luxury to do that because you look at where they're at right now in the lineup, and I mean that they have Alexa Graham, who played, I think, five or played four singles last year. She's number eight in the country. She's playing one. Cameron Mora, who played four last year. She's number two in the country. Sarah Davitella, she's number four in the country, but number three singles in her own lineup. And then you have a player in Elizabeth Scotty, who joins the roster this year, who, you know, has who's certainly earned her way in. She hasn't dropped a match either and you know they're they do want to get ready for life after Davitella life after Jones as those are the two seniors a life after Graham is all three of those players big contributors to the UNC program over the last three years all seniors as well uh with all due respect to Arizona State because you look at the UTR head-to-heads and I think UNC is literally favored by about a point at each and every flight Safe to say, I don't think either of us think the upsetter is happening. And, of course, just so you know, we're already over the five-minute mark, so be ready for that, listeners. But for this Arizona State team, they went 14-11 and last year. They didn't lose a single senior off their roster now this year to start the season. Really good start for them to make these ITA national indoors. You look at who they knocked off uh, in their kickoff weekend. I believe they beat a Northwestern team who you know won this, won this indoor event all the way back 2009-2010, but obviously that's... It's a great program. They beat a Vanderbilt team at Vanderbilt 4-3. So that was a struggle, you know, and UNC steamrolled them without even the A team. But what do you see for this Arizona State team? How will they compete here this weekend? Yeah, well, I mean, they have a shot to compete with some other teams, just not North Carolina. I mean, they got a great win at at Vanderbilt. And, you know, any time it comes down to like 7-6 in the third on court six, it's a, yeah, that's a, that's a heck of a match. So that was a good 4-3 win for them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, North Carolina is just, just too much power. Once they get past that first match, which is, you know, the case for a lot of these teams when you're in the top three matches where you've got one, two, and three against 14, 15, 16, they're probably outmatched in the first match. And then they get into where, okay, now we got a couple matches where we can I think that's where they're going to be. They they'll they'll be able to compete, you know, fairly well with the the rest of the field, uh, just not with North Carolina. It reminds me a lot last year of you know teams with continuity teams we saw because we, we weren't at the women's last year but we were at the men's uh, you know the seniors having the su- just success early making those sorts of reminds me of the Notre Dame team we saw last year right where you know it wasn't their fault that they didn't get many big wins at the or that they didn't 
win the national indoors last year, but they still competed with every team they played. It was, I thought, a big moment for that Notre Dame program at the time. Um, and yeah, for this Arizona State team, I mean, look, uh, they bring back every starter from last year. They bring back every doubles team from last year. Experience matters, and I can't imagine they play a lot of indoor matches, but you're right. Great for this senior group, uh, this Arizona State team right now. Three seniors leading it uh, as well in Hampton, in uh, Hotting, and in Slaysman. So good result for that Arizona State program. I think uh, we both agree. UNC 4-0 in this one. Yeah, I think so. And I don't think Arizona's gonna, Arizona State's going to be too happy with the fact that you compared them with one of the only two teams to go 0-3 last year. <laughs> okay. Only two teams get to leave without a win, and Notre Dame was one of them. <laughs> okay, but but tell me this, Chris. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I know they competed well because I was in that last match of the two 0-2 teams seeing who was walking away without a win. <laughs> Yeah, and I'll tell you this. We guaranteed that Arizona State's beating my Wolverines. Like, right there. We 100% just guaranteed that's their one victory. Um, but let's move on to our next match. And one thing we can appreciate about the indoors, the seeding, very straightforward for the quarterfinals. They want to make it so one plays eight, two plays seven, three plays six, four plays five, barring an upset. So our second 9 a.m. match, the number seven seed, also uh, from the Tar Heel State. But this time, it's NC State, the Wolfpack. They're going to take on the Princeton Tigers, who make uh, the national indoors after uh, a really successful ITA kickoff weekend for them. You look at what Princeton accomplished. Uh, they knocked off both. Uh, sorry, this is the um, keep it in, Westoff, because this is part of the joys of being live on site is dealing with these internet. But they beat both Washington and USC 4 3. And, you know, given that they played those matches outdoors, that's a really good result for this Princeton team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, two. I mean, two good upsets for Princeton. So, uh, I mean, they they've got to be feeling really good. And and when you look at this one on paper uh, against NC State, who is NC State's one of the you know is definitely one of the top teams. They're right there. I mean, they're basically toss ups at all six spots. Yeah. It should be a really fun match. Now, you look at this NC State team, and again, they're a team that lost only one, or excuse me, two, three seniors last year. Shows you how much I know. Um, but they do have a lot of talent returning. I believe they keep the players from the top half of their lineup from last season. So, you know, for this team, it's not as though uh, they're starting from scratch, right? Their top two players, uh, Anna Rogers and Anna Smith from last year, uh, neither of them were seniors, so they bring both of them back onto this year's team. And whenever you can bring back your top two, and in a top two that went uh, both of them 20 and 8 at the one and two singles positions during the dual match season, that's a strong place to start. Oh, yeah. I mean, that. NC State, and you know, with what they what they're bringing back, and they got Jada Daniel on there. I mean, that's a it's a it's a strong team, and they and they've got to feel good. Had a couple, you know, a couple good early wins. They've got to feel good about their prospects, and they're definitely the favorite in the match. But like I said, I mean, Princeton is is very very close to, to their level, and it, I I expect this to be a, a really close match. 
Yeah. For NC State, it's the bottom of their lineup where they're making changes. Bianca Moldvin, who was another Michigan player. So I feel like I feel like the Michigan women are clearly more productive than the Michigan men in terms of moving on to college, but we can save that for another time. Uh, yeah, they lose her. They lose a couple of players who contributed at the bottom of the lineup in Claudia w- uh, Wickerton, who mostly played five or six singles, but really just played sporadically. And then their last senior on last year's roster, uh, they lose as well a man. Amanda Rebel, uh, who did play throughout the season, but you know they will lose her. Uh, she, Rebel went, I believe, sixteen and seven at the six singles position. So if you're replacing two spots, it's definitely you know the two you want to replace are five and six singles. But yeah, you mentioned it for this Princeton team. They lost two seniors off of last year's roster. Uh, they lost Nicole Calhorn and Catalin Vivas. But you look at it in terms of the where those two contributed in the lineup last year. Vivas didn't really play, and you know for. Uh, Calhorn, she was in and out of the lineup as well. So this is a team that returns most, mostly all six of its starters from last season. With that in mind, which way are you leaning in this one? Uh, I, I've still got to lean NC State. I mean, they're they're going to be they're, they're, they're slight favorites across. There's nothing huge, but I think you know they they've got the experience. They were there last year. Uh, you know, a very good team coming back from last year. I think that I think the experience there is going to going to prove uh, prove helpful, uh, and I'll I'll take them in a tight, say four four two or four three match. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a really fun one, and I think it's notable that Princeton finds itself seated ahead of bigger programs such as you know the Michigan, the Arizona States, even the Florida States, the Illinois of the world this year. You know. They're right there. You know, they're, they're the number nine or ten seed, excuse me, on paper this year. Uh, and there's a reason everyone thinks so highly of them. It's because it's a really talented team. I'll go the other way. There's always an upset or two in the first round. If you're going to roll with the Wolf Pack, which is probably the safer pick, I'll take Princeton. I think it's going to go 4-3 either way. I think this one really comes down to the doubles point, and you look for this Princeton team, uh, the continuity they have at three doubles, the continuity they have throughout the rest of their lineup. Uh, I think that's going to help now You know, for this NC State team. They've had uh, a lot of success thus far. They've also played more dual matches than Princeton thus or I believe uh, you look at what they've played thus far this year maybe a few more matches under their or let me let me see this official official ruling here princeton they come into this season or into this ita tournament with a three and oh record you look at where nc state is at coming into this tournament they come in with slightly more experience yes they they do i was like these records can't be wrong they are nine and one on the year i'm gonna flip my pick i lied that's the kicker nc state a little more experience this season give me the wolf pack Fair? Yeah, fair. Eh, all right, I will take it then. Uh, let's move on to our next match now, the first match of the 12 o'clock window. You look at uh, who we have in this one. Really fun. We have our defending champion, the number three seeds, Georgia, going to take on the Wahoos of the University of Virginia. You look at this Georgia team. I mean, they were so good last season, really. Uh, borderline undefeated going down the home stretch. They lost a late match in the year, uh, I believe, before the NCAA tournament, but... Uh, 
uh, you look at what they accomplished overall on the season. Still, you know, definitely what you're looking for. 28-2 and two overall. Those losses coming again at the end of the year to South Carolina in the SEC Championship, to uh, Stanford 4-0 in the NCAA Championship. And this is a team that brings back a lot of the talent in, her, in terms of who they lost on their roster. It was no one. You know, they bring back every single player uh, in Katarina Jokic. They have one of the three or four best players in the country. Uh, with all due respect to UVA, who really has got, uh, you know, their program has gotten better and better over these past couple of years. I, I think Georgia's similar to uh, UNC, going to probably handle this first round match fairly comfortably. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think I'm with you behind. I actually think that behind North Carolina, Georgia is probably by two picks uh, in front, even still in front of Stanford. That yeah, George, Georgia absolutely should not have uh, a lot of problems here. I think we'll, we'll see a really good match uh, at the top of the lineup. I mean, Katarina Jokic is obviously one one of uh, one of the best players uh, in in college tennis, but she's she's going to pick up a a pretty good match uh, here, I think, against Subash, and th- that'll be interesting to watch. But but I still think the the rest of the lineup, the depth for Georgia is just too much for Virginia. And you know, even if they can compete at, at the top and possibly in doubles, it's finding even if they could somehow win the doubles point, finding three more singles matches uh, for Virginia, oh, I think one would be a must, and then getting on a couple more after that. Very unlikely. I think. Uh, I think Georgia, you know, gets away with this one, four zero or four one. Yeah, and look for this Virginia team. They lost two seniors last year, but as you mentioned, they bring back uh, their best player uh, in. Uh, or from their roster, uh, from their roster last year, they also bring in uh, a talented new freshman, as you mentioned, in Natasha Subash. So that's going to be a really fun matchup. I just. I mean, you look at this Georgia team, you're right. On paper, they, them, UNC, with the returners they bring back, with the losses Stanford's roster suffered uh, after winning that national title last season, I, those are your two front runners. And that they're on the same side of the draw, it's a blessing to uh, Coach Farood at Stanford, one could argue, because Stanford, not a team that plays these national indoors frequently. I think they've only played three or four times in total over the past decade. Uh you know, she wants to get. I think Coach Fruit wants to get her rankings wins, and, and she also wants a look at this Georgia team, at this UNC team, just to see where these two teams are at uh, heading into this 2020 season. That being said, I agree with you. I mean, Georgia didn't lose a starter, and they lost two total matches last year, one of which was 4 uh, 3 in a conference tournament final, the other of which happened in the NCAA final. So, this is a team that not only has the experience, uh, not only has the top end talent from last season, uh, but it's it's just a team that's got it all, and so I agree with you. I would say in terms of the pick for this one, uh, probably leaning Georgia 4-0. Now, as you mentioned, for UVA, it they are here alongside of NC State. They are here alongside of Duke. Uh, they are here alongside of Florida State. They're, they're going to get a really good shot here to accumulate some match wins, which given where uh, they're here alongside Georgia Tech as well, I think it's very important for UVA to get some confidence at this event because they are in for a brutally tough ACC schedule. Yeah, that's that. That's certainly the conference. Uh, you know, what, probably the top conference, especially when you're starting with uh, you know North Carolina, North Carolina State. You got Georgia Tech. Wow, it's they're stacked. So yeah, it'll be good experience for them. 
I think Georgia's too much, but again, just like we said for, you know, for Arizona State, after that first match, you know, anything's game after that. Yeah, and I, I know we haven't gone too in-depth de- yet into the lineup questions. Uh, it's going to be a lot easier for us tomorrow when we're recapping day one's event, when we see the lineup these two teams play to circle which lineup, you know, the match calculus for each of these teams. For some of these matches, as we mentioned, for Georgia, for UNC, uh, it's a little too lopsided. Uh, not a little too lopsided, but it, you almost feel like you don't really need to point out who's where because barring a big upset, Georgia should be comfortable at a bunch of those singles positions uh let's stick in the sec though for sec excuse me acc for this next breakdown because the team playing alongside of uva at the 12 o'clock hour uh the duke blue devils who after an early season loss i believe they made the ncaa semifinals last year but after an early season loss to the ohio state buckeyes they find themselves outside of the top eight seeds here they're going to match up with a dangerous number six seed in pepperdine pepperdine led of course by senior ashley Leahy, who we were fortunate enough to have on early in this 2019-2020 college tennis season on our Cracked Interviews podcast. So if you want to learn more about that team, about her, uh, go give that a listen. But in terms of first-round matches, this and the Ohio State-Georgia Tech are probably the two I have circled uh the, the boldest because NC State Princeton is going to be great. But in Pepperdine and Duke, you have two of, you know, perennially the top five maybe even top 10 for sure but top five programs in the country for this Duke team a lot of roster turnover for them from last season uh what are you expecting going into this one Chris yeah I mean I think that that's the question right I mean they, they they're both very good teams but you have there's uh, a little you have definitely the turnover there on the on the Duke side I expect to see uh you know I, I expect to see Pepperdine flex their muscles up top uh, you know they're definitely going to be favored uh, in the couple top couple spots, um, but but then it's you know it's pretty much a straight up toss up for uh, say maybe like three and three and four, uh, and probably even five and six. I mean it's it's going to be really tight. I don't know that Pepperdine has the depth, and they definitely can't afford to get hurt um, because they definitely don't have anybody. You know they're not that deep at the hunt to be able to play anybody after that. But I think. Uh, yeah, I don't. I like. I really. I like Pepperdine up top, and if you can win one, two, and, you know, and doubles, which is that's the big question. Certainly, you find another one in there, and it's not like they're slouches. You know, they've got good players top to bottom. So, it's it is going to be a it's a very close match, but I I will still stick with Pepperdine in this one. Yeah, so it's interesting for this Pepperdine team. They only lost one senior last year. It was Zina Mlavinovich. Uh, she played, you know, throughout the lineup three, four, five, six. You name it, she filled in there. She was twelve and four in singles during the dual match season. Primarily played at three doubles, where she went ten and four during the dual match season. Uh, yeah, that's a loss when you lose that sort of depth. But they bring back everyone else at the top of their lineup. Now uh, you look in contrast for this Duke team. Not only you know they went twenty-seven and four last year in terms of where they were at at the ITA kickoff weekend. Uh, they lost to North Carolina 4-0 in the semifinal, but they actually beat Pepperdine last year, getting wins in doubles, getting wins at three singles from Kelly Chen, and then the five and six singles positions, so their depth uh, winning out in the end. But 
for this Duke roster, you know, they not only lost two seniors in Caitlin McCarthy and Elise Hamlin, both of whom you could find in the roster or on the roster playing last year at four and six at two doubles, but they also lost their top player, Maria Mateus, who decided to go pro. Now she was top 10 in the country last year. Anyone who watched her play understands how phenomenal of a talent she is. Uh, but that's three starters. That's a ton of turnover. And this Duke team, you know, when you're at Duke, it's very easy to recruit. We had Prim Saripapat, the ESPN now athletic uh, sports personality who played there uh, many moons ago, explaining why, you know, why the appeal of being an athlete at Duke makes obvious sense. And look, they reloaded. They brought in a Chloe Beck. They brought in a Yasmin Mansouri, who, if that name sounds familiar to you, it's because, yes, she is the sister of former Wake Forest All-American Skander Mansouri. Uh, and they still have Kelly Chen. They still have a bunch of talented players on their roster. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Uh, but you're right. In terms of experience, at this point, you probably roll with Pepperdine. You look at what Pepperdine's done this season as well. They've only played two two dual match seasons. They knocked off Arkansas in the kickoff weekend, and they knocked off UNLV as well. That's it for them. Whereas we have seen a little bit more of this Duke team, and we've seen this Duke team get tested. They're five and one on the year, but you know the wins that they had two blowout wins at the kickoff weekend, but you know a two a, a 4-2 win over an Illinois team that by UTR, one of the lower-ranked teams here at the National Indoors this weekend. And then they went to Ohio State and took an early 4-2 loss. So this is a team that, despite having a few returners, you know, when half of your lineup is new, you're going to struggle to find your identity in the early going. So I would agree with you there. I would lean Pepperdine. Now, that being said, uh, you know, for this Duke team in terms of where they matched up with Ohio State and things they can take uh, – take solace in uh you know they lost the doubles point there and they were competitive in each and every one of those singles matches danielle wolf who we had on the podcast last night she clinched that match over the freshman mansuri seven six in the third uh, but that's a good position to be when you have a young team if you're losing matches seven six in the third and it's your young players who are losing they're only going to get more and more experienced as the year went on so i would put this in the toss-up category but i agree with you probably leaning towards pepperdine is it fair to call this a toss-up though Oh, it's definitely fair. I mean, I think, you know, it, a lot of it could, as any close match, right, can hinge on doubles. And I just don't know what, we, what we're what we going to see out of Pepperdine doubles. I mean, they've only got six girls on the roster. So everyone's playing doubles. And that doesn't, you know, everyone playing doubles isn't necessarily a good thing. Not everybody's a doubles player, right? So that may not, we haven't seen them play enough matches yet to know, uh, you know, how, that, how that's going to go for them. Uh, I don't know how strong they are in doubles. That's that's going to be tough. And you know the one. And you also lost from last year while not a senior because she left mid-year, uh, left the program was Levashova. And sure. so you know if if Duke takes the doubles point, yeah, it's it's definitely close. I I think that you know that's going to be a key factor for Pepperdine. So we'll see what they come out with in doubles. I'll still lean that way uh, just because of the strength at the top of the lineup. And I feel like you know anytime. It's kind of like putting points on the board in, in football. You know, you put points on the board, it's hard to say, you know, 
you got to you got to roll with it. So I'll I'll take them. Yeah, it. You look at match calculus. The thing is for Pepperdine, it's always you know Ashley Leahy and three others, right? And because she has been as rock solid as you're going to find in college tennis over these past you know four years that she's been here. Um, but you do like that Duke has Kelly Chen to combat her right at the top of the lineup. I uh, and so, <clears throat> I guess by. <sighs> These Duke players are really talented. Did you take Pepperdine in that one? Ah, no, wait. Hold on. We had Ashley yeah, Leahy on I the mean, podcast. Go I got to take it. Right? Well, we haven't yet. How about this? I'll switch back. I'm going to stick with Princeton. Let's West off. Give me a rewind sound effect, please. West. And by the way, nowadays I record these because as you listeners are known, or at least Chris, as you know, as you listeners may now be aware as well, uh, Westoff and I live together. So yesterday I was in the midst of a pod with Danielle Wolf, and I made the mention of Westoff put in a sound effect or an edit or something. And he's sitting across the table from me, just two middle fingers in the air. Just like, are you serious right now, Alex? Like, do you know how much editing I have to do already? And I was like, well, you know what? Joke's on you. So rewind sound effect. Um, I'll take Princeton to differ from you in this one because there is always an upset. In this one, I'll roll with Duke. All fair? right. Yeah, fair. So we got two different now. Okay. Well, no, because you rolled with Princeton or NC State. NC State. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. I'm down. NC, Two I've different got things. NC State, NC State and Pepperdine. Okay, beautiful. So you have taken this Dekoyak role of not picking any upsets for this. I always appreciate that. It feels like, you know, even when he's gone, his presence is felt. He would appreciate that for sure. Um, all right, let's move on to our next half, and now we're at the top half of the draw. This one is going to hurt me. Uh, this match, when I saw the draws come out, I made a joke on a Great Shot podcast, or maybe it was a mini break podcast we did uh, at some point a couple of weeks ago, saying, oh, you know, the joke's going to be on me because we were praising the UNC team. I'm be like, Michigan is now for sure going to play UNC in the first round of the women's indoors. Well, the joke's on me. They're not playing UNC. They're playing defending national champion Stanford in their first match. Stanford, a team who did not play the national indoors last year. Very frequently, they choose not to play the indoors at all. But they did make that choice this year to play it. And it may come off of the fact that you look for the Stanford roster and how much talent they lost off of last year's team. They lose seniors Caroline Lample. They lose senior Melissa Lord. They lose senior Naomi Rosenberg. Senior Elizabeth Yao. Senior Kimberly Yee. You know, Coach Lele Farood is, uh, she's always going to reload. Stanford women's tennis is the, you know, the pristine program. It is the powerhouse of women's college tennis. But this is an incredibly young team for the Cardinals. And, you know, Fahey is gone. Minor is gone for this Michigan team, which is also working in some new starters. But this Stanford team is more vulnerable than it has been maybe any of the past 10 years. There's no doubt. And all the Stanford alum are, are cringing when they heard you say Cardinals with the S on the end. Cardinal. Excuse me. The card. Well, there are, I, if there are plural Cardinal, is it still like, yeah, that group of Cardinal over there? I, I think that's just a Stanford thing. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know I, the sure. problem is I definitely see a Stanford player through this window right now, Chris. So I'm not going to make a derogatory comment, but, you know, you know what I'm thinking. Yeah, but no, you're you're right. I mean, it's definitely if you're if you're going to go after Stanford, this is the year you try to go after Stanford. I mean, with 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 losing Lample and, and Lord, right? I mean, that's definitely that, that's a hit. They've always got they've always got girls in the waiting right, that are good, that are good, but but it's definitely got to you know you've got to like your chances better facing this team uh, than you did facing last year's team. So uh, yeah, I think 
you know, you, you say the joke's on you. You should be significantly happier with the prospect of facing Stanford than North Carolina in the first round. Yeah, but I'm just saying it, it's – and for the record, my Michigan squad already took on North Carolina. They lost that match 4-0 awfully quickly uh, in Chapel Hill. Now, my Wolverines did knock off Florida uh, in Ann Arbor last week. They beat Mississippi and a very good UCF team uh, 4-2 during the kickoff weekend. You look at the pairings right now, as I mentioned, uh, for last year, th- this Michigan team, they lose their top players in Kate Fahey in Breanne Minor, but they do bring back some talent. Uh, they bring back at the top of the lineup uh, Julia Perone, uh, who was a three-set winner in that UCF match. They bring back players like Olivia Jones, uh, Cheryl Lomer, Bella Lorenzini to add alongside of two really talented freshmen in Andrea Serdan and Nicole Hammond, although Serdan may be a sophomore. I may have butchered that there. Um, but for this Wolverine team, oh no, Serdan is a freshman. I was I was correct on that. And you look at this uh, Michigan team, they, they are quite talented, but they're not if this was a year earlier I would have circled this Michigan team for an upset pick here but because they are working so many young players into the middle of their lineup it things are going to be tricky here for the Wolverines not the Wolverine the Wolverines yeah and not only that but that's really the and and the spot where they need to compete in all likelihood is you know like four or five it, the top three for Stanford are going to be tough at four five six they're going to have um, more a better chance to, to compete, I feel. Uh, it's in all likelihood too much. I think I think Stanford's gonna gonna be able to get away with it there. But uh, but yeah, that, those are the spots that I feel the Wolverines are gonna have are gonna have to compete if they want to have a chance to win that match. And, and that is you know down <clears throat> down in in the four five six area. And you know we'll see we'll see if they can if they can manage to pull off wins uh, down there. Then you know maybe. Yeah. And look, Olivia Jones at four. If if that if they're still playing her at four, like they did against Florida, uh, yeah, that's I think that's a that's a very good shot. Yeah, and look for the Stanford team. They're three and zero on the year, but they really haven't been tested. They played the ITA kickoff weekend. They beat USF. They beat Washington State. They beat Hawaii at home six one. Uh, but this is a team that's working in essentially three new doubles pairings. They do again have new starters littered throughout the roster. Um, so there's a world where this Michigan te- this Michigan team can steal a doubles point. Maybe there's a world where they go up 1-0. They put a little bit of scoreboard pressure on the Stanford Cardinal, uh, and who knows what can happen. That being said, Chris, your prediction for this one? Uh, I I think they'll find a point, maybe even two. But I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll go two. I'll say Stanford wins four two. Yeah, in terms of UTR, I'm curious, where does Stanford stack up with UNC and uh, Georgia, which I imagine are the top two UTR teams in this event? Oh, they're they're behind a bunch of teams, actually. They're behind— Really? They're, yeah, they're behind Stanford. I mean, they're behind UNC. They're behind Georgia. Uh, they're behind Texas. Uh, they're, they're behind UCLA. Uh, they're behind—obviously, they're behind North Carolina— they're behind. They're behind Georgia, as we as we had talked about. They're they're behind both Pepperdine and Duke. Interesting. Who's ahead in the Pepperdine Duke matchup? Uh, well, they're. I mean, it's a dead toss up on team team total wise, right? Yeah. But advantage up top to Pepperdine. Advantage down low uh, to Duke. To, to Duke. Well, yeah, kind of a mixture there. But yeah, Pepperdine's a little total wise. You know, 
they're a little bit higher, but they're both 67s. But yeah, Pepperdine's a, a little bit just because of their top two. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, and so that will be an interesting matchup. You, I, you know, again, you look at it, and for Michigan, they need that doubles point. If they don't get it, things probably get a little tougher. I'm going to say they get that doubles point, but single uh, Stanford singles depth ends up winning out in the end. I'll take Stanford four one. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think that's I think that's fair. Uh, if they, but I I think if they get the doubles point, and it all depends on when the clinch happens, right? But if if they get the doubles point. Then I say definitely it ends up four two. I think uh, I think they can get a win at six for sure, and possibly, uh, and I think even Olivia Jones at four. I think one of four or six if they leave Jones at four. I think they get one of those two matches if it's able to finish before the match is clinched. So if they get doubles, I'll go four two for sure. If not, uh, then I'd say four one, and they'll get either four or six. All right. Well, I'll take that. Um, yeah, it should be a really fun match. And playing simultaneously to that, uh, two of the people we were fortunate enough to interview last night in preparation for this national indoors, uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes, the number eight seed, going to take on Georgia Tech. This is a rematch of last year's matchup uh, where they played twice. Ohio State knocking Georgia Tech off in the national indoors before ultimately losing first round of the NCAA tournament to the Yellow Jackets. You know, you. UTR-wise, I am sure this matchup will get about as even as, it will be as about as even as it can be. Uh, but Chris, when you look at this one, who who are you leaning towards? Oh, I like Ohio State in this match. Uh, okay, give me the case. Well, I think uh, I I think at the top, I think I think one is an advantage to Ohio State, and then they're just definitely at the bottom of the lineup, the depth for Ohio State is there. I mean, there's no guarantee at one, but but four, five, six, huge advantage to Ohio State. And it's going to be hard for Georgia Tech to win, you know, one of those three matches, and they have to. They can't give up all three of those and expect to win. Uh, So, uh, and I think that's just going to be too much to overcome, being, you know, they just don't quite have the depth. They've got to win doubles. They've got to win two of the top three, and if not all three of them, and find one more somewhere. And that's when you're that limited in what I think look like the recipes to get a win. It, it's too tough. So I'll I'll definitely stick with with Ohio State. Yeah, and look for this Georgia Tech team. They went thirteen and thirteen last season. Not uh, the sort of success they are used to having from that program. Uh, lost a bunch of decisions, four three or close to it. Uh, you know, four three loss to Syracuse, four three loss to NC State, four three wins over Clemson, and then a four three win over Ohio State in that NCAA tournament run. Um, you do have to say, and you know, we we talked about this last night with Shiori with Danielle. I know. This is the team the Buckeyes wanted to play more than anything. I know uh, for a fact that after taking that 1-0 lead last year, after racing out to 2-1 when Shuri knocked off uh, her Georgia Tech player 6-1, 6-0, they felt like they had that match. They felt like 
they should have been the ones playing Vanderbilt the next round. And, you know, that I know this, you know, this Ohio State team brings back essentially everyone to their roster who played last year. So they have a lot of uh, potential. They have a lot of possibilities. Shiori uh, Fukuda, uh, who again we spoke to inside the top 10 between her, between Danielle Wolf, Isabel Boulez, that's a top three that can compete with anyone. And then the depth they have as well in uh, Luna Dormant, in Mary Beth Hurley. It's a really fun. Ohio State team now you you know the flip side for this you look at what Georgia Tech has accomplished and yeah they lost three seniors last year but those three seniors in, uh, less significant I would say to their roster you know in uh, Jiz Dova in uh, Kenya Jones in uh, the last senior on their roster Nami Atsuka uh, yes they lost them but only Atsuka really was oh excuse me that because they lost those three uh, you know those were their top three and so that that's a lot that you know that's everything so for this Georgia Tech team I think it's a win for them to even be here but I think it's going to be really tough for them to compete uh with some of the best that the country has to offer this year well I mean they've got Kenya Jones is still there playing one she's gonna you know she's gonna be right there with with Shiori but I, I mean definitely Fakuda's got the advantage there um Victoria Flores at, at two for them is probably their one the one spot where they probably look like they've got you know, a decent advantage. And she, I mean, she beat Megan Davies from, from South Carolina three and two in that final for, uh, for the kickoff weekend, uh, a, a very good win for her. So I, I mean, I kind of like her at two, but it's, it's hard to find uh, another spot where you, where you think they're going to be able to, to pick up a point. They're going to be significant underdogs with, you know, Cohen, Atsuka, they're, they're definitely underdogs there. To, to Danielle Wolf and, and, and Coley Allen. So I, I, I think it's going to be a little much uh, for, to get, Ohio, uh, get it against Ohio State. And I say I like Ohio State for 4-1, 4-2 if they can win the double point. But uh, I still think fairly comfortable for Ohio State. Man, I'm getting furious at these websites. Some of them, when you look up the roster differences between last season and this season, they'll put on last season's marker the age of the player this year. So it said, you know, for Kenya Jones, for Suda, that they were both seniors last year, when in fact Uh I know that's not the case. That's why I keep screwing this up, because a bunch of these websites are like this. So it's like, come on, what are we doing here? But yeah, you know, it's a talented top three. Um that's why I was like, I knew something didn't make sense. So apologies for that, listeners. Yeah, I, you know, I had the chance to see both of these teams play today. I think this is where the fact that we're indoors is going to mean that much more. That's going to be the kicker. You know, Ohio State and Wolf and uh, uh, Shory emphasized this so much last night. Is you know they're an indoors team. They're playing ninety percent of their season indoors. This is the portion of the year where they want to separate themselves with other teams. So you picked the Buckeyes? I did pick the Buckeyes. Uh, I don't want to agree. No, I already disagreed with you twice. That's fine. I'll take the Buckeyes as well. I should have picked Michigan so that we have and, – and for the record, there's a potential of an Ohio State-Michigan matchup in that quarterfinal matches. That's uh, – in reality, you know, as much as I would love to see it in the front draw, it's going to be guaranteed to happen after both teams lose their first-round match because it's just going to be guaranteed that I'm not going to be able to watch it as closely as I would like. So because I know the karma gods don't like me, I'll take Georgia Tech simply to give myself a chance for an OSU-Michigan reverse jinx quarterfinal matchup. So um, you're, take, you're taking Georgia Tech? 
right. I like it. Now we're different on three matches. I'm going to sound so stupid tomorrow because all of the picks you made make a lot of sense. Um, tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, hey, all right, hey. you're done. You got Georgia Tech. I, I really yeah. like my kids. Sorry, Rodney Harmon, but all right, I'll, I'll, I get the Buckeyes. Yeah. I can't hey, believe I'm team. rolling with the Buckeyes too. I mean, yeah. Uh, you want to switch? Do you want to take Georgia Tech so I no. can take the Buckeyes since we've had them on the pod? No, no. Oh, <laughs> you're di- you're dissing the girls you just interviewed. Yeah, last that's night. the thing. Uh, I want I want Danielle and Shuri if they listen to this to know I am picking Ohio State simply or picking Georgia Tech to spite Chris. Um, but in reality, you know what? I can't just make a pick to spite Chris. People might actually listen nowadays and come up to me and be like, that was really dumb of you. So because I'm here this weekend, I'm going to go with Ohio State. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I just flip-flopped six times. I feel like I'm right no matter what for that match. Uh, <laughs> there's a world where I'm like, yeah, there's it's no fun. I told you so on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. But our last two matches uh, to get to here are night session tomorrow. Let's start with the number four seeds, UCLA, who are going to take on the hosts here this weekend, Illinois. Uh, you look for this UCLA team. They you know, they did lose some talented starters. They lose Gabby Andrews off of last year's roster, Gabby Andrews uh, and Arnia Bloomfield, who combined to win uh, that NCAA doubles title. But still, you know, for this UCLA team, they're perennially a top team, and it's very easy to understand why uh, they bring back plenty of talent on this year's roster as well. Well, um, in fact, only one senior for them this year, but it's going to be Jada Hart. A lot of freshman contributors to the lineup as well uh, in Caroline Goldberg, in Abby Forbes, uh, one of the top young players in the country, in Sasha Vagramov. Uh, It's a really talented UCLA team, and I know we were talking about this beforehand, Chris. Illinois, uh, despite being the host, I know by UTR, uh, their roster not quite where it was last year. No, they're going to be probably almost full point, you know, underdogs at every single position. They're, uh, yeah, they're. Th- this is going to be a rough, a rough match, and probably a rough weekend uh, for them. You know, the hosts and bo- both here in the men's, the hosts are likely in for some some rough sledding. So I don't, I don't think there's a. Th- this ought to be a fairly quick 4-0 win for UCLA. Yeah, you look for Illinois, and this is not to be disrespectful, but just what they've done so far this season. 3-1 and one on the year. Uh, they didn't have to play the kickoff weekend, as I mentioned, but thus far they have wins over Eastern Michigan, Eastern Illinois, and Southern Illinois. Now, they did play, at the time, number 5 Duke close. They lost that match 2-4. You look at the victories they got while in that match. Um, things for them to build on and things for them to build around as they look uh, to separate themselves this weekend uh, against the Duke team, who, again, was also working in new starters. They didn't do, you know, horribly. I mean, 4-2 isn't bad. Do they win the doubles point? Uh, I don't believe so, but you get two singles wins against the depth of a Duke team. I don't know. Is there a scenario where maybe at the they, bottom they of the lineup the they scrap they- Oh, they did win yeah, the doubles did, point. Excuse they, me. They did win doubles. Yeah, they won the doubles point against Duke, and then they got a win uh, at one. At the top from, of the lineup. From Hawaii. Yeah, over, so, over Mansuri at the time playing one for Duke. But, uh, yeah, but so, yeah. And, yeah, in that Duke match, yeah, Mansuri playing one over Chen. So for Illinois, you know, 
it's a UCLA team that is going to have to work in new doubles teams after you lose, you know, your top doubles team in the country and players like Broomfield and like Gabby Andrews. They lose Alana Miller as well. Uh, I believe Taylor Johnson, uh, no, Taylor Johnson's still with the program. Excuse Taylor me, Johnson. I just didn't see her name at first. But she's, you know, another incredibly talented player. Um, but for Illinois, the doubles point and one singles, that's probably where everything starts around, right? Well, yeah, I mean, the doubles point for sure. I mean, trying to, yeah, win number one singles against UCLA, good luck. Uh, I don't I don't see that happening. But, but that, I mean, I, don't, I honestly, I don't see any way they can pick up you know, three singles matches. I'm much, you know, getting one singles match will be good. I don't see how they can possibly get three of these. UCLA is just, they're just that good. Yeah, and let's be clear, UCLA only 4-0, but they haven't dropped a point yet this season. They beat Minnesota, Loyola, Marymount, St. Mary's, and UC Santa Barbara all 4-0, 4-0, 7-0, and 7-0. They've been able to play around with their lineups as well. Now, you know, for for them, they still have the number two doubles team in the country in Alicia Bolton and Jada Hart, as I mentioned, in freshman Abby Forbes, someone who right now sits at number six in the ITA singles rankings. And again, she's a freshman, Bolton number four. Jada Hart, number nine. Uh, Annette Gulak, who's playing at five for them, number 99. Vagramov at number six is number 108. Yeah, they've got the depth, and, you know, by UT Armstrong, they're right up there with the UNCs, with the Georges now. For this UCLA team, the last time they won in uh, in a national indoors tournament came all the way back in 2012. But 2012, 2013, 2014, they made the finals three years in a row. And I do think, you know, for maybe some of the some of the uh, bottom half of the tournament, the indoors versus outdoors matters more. Uh, but I think this UCLA team is incredibly talented, and I don't think they're going to have much problems with this Illinois team. I also see it going likely in the 4-0 direction. But where do you place this UCLA team compared to some of the other contenders heading into this one? Yeah, I mean, their they're top three are going to compete with anybody. I mean, Forbes, Bolton, and Jada Hart, which is I'm going to assume the order that they're playing them in, are those, those top three, uh, and then along with their doubles, will compete with anyone. Where they start to fall off a little bit when you start trying to stack them up against the, the Georgias and the North Carolinas uh, is – at four, five, and six, They're, they they do start to tail off just a little bit there, and that's that's going to be, you know, pro- the struggle if they when they get up against them. That's where they're going to have to, that's where they're going to have to get better. But I, there's they're just really good no, no matter what. So uh, they'll they'll be right there with any of them. Yeah, it, it, it'll it be really fun. Hopefully, you know, if we see Stanford, UCLA up top, if we see UNC take on Georgia at the bottom, uh, that would be a semifinal worthwhile, without question. Those are four really, really talented teams, as good as teams as you'll find in college tennis during 2020. Um, all right, our last match, maybe a team that less heralded than those other few on the women's side, but has certainly worked their way up the rankings over these past couple of years and find themselves in a tremendous position uh, heading into this 2019-2020 season. I'm talking about the number five seed Texas Longhorns, who after going 19-5 and last year, uh, start 
this year off on fire. They are undefeated thus far, 4-0. They have knocked off Iowa, LSU, 4-0 and 4-0. They beat NC State 4-3 at home and went on the road and knocked off a Georgia Tech team 5-2. I mean, that's as battle-tested as any team entering this event. To play two of the teams already in the draw here, that I think that bodes very well for this Texas program. Oh, and certainly, and when you've got, you know, Bianca and Anantarati at the top, and, you know, not only are they playing their, their college matches, they play a lot of, uh, you know, futures uh, matches as well. They're, yeah, certainly that's the, you know, that is a big strength for that for that lineup. But they're, they're, they're I'd say they're super deep through four. So when we start trying to compare differences with other teams, it's, yeah, what do you get out of five and six? But for sure, they've, they've played a good schedule, good wins, Two, you know, some very talented girls at the top of the lineup, and uh, you know that they're they're not going to be an easy out for sure. Yeah, and you look at the talent they lost last year. Only two senior, uh, two seniors gone. They lose Katie Paluda, uh, as well as Chelsea Crevetti. Now you look at what Paluda and Crevetti did for them last season. Paluda mostly at the six singles position, uh, where she uh, went, I believe, ten and two, and then four and zero at the five singles position. Uh, you look for what they lose in Paluda, really. Uh, or I meant, I just mentioned that for Paluda. Excuse me. See, this shows where my brain is. This is going to be a really good weekend if this is where I'm at. Uh, but you look at what they lose uh, as well in their fellow senior uh, in Chelsea Crovetti. I mean, she didn't really play, I think, any matches uh, last season. So, yeah, a lot of starters returning for them. It starts, of course, up top with the Tarati sisters, Anna and Bianca. You look at uh, what they did last year at the one and two singles positions for Anna. Uh, she went 19 and two at two singles for Bianca, 11 and seven at one. Uh, but that's a really good duo, and you look at where they're at into this season they're both seniors they're both on their last uh you know couple of months on the job you know they're going to be fired up from this for this one and it helps they have the continuity of knowing that uh they they really didn't lose much from the doubles portion last year they're bringing back most if not all of their doubles teams uh they bring in a couple of a couple of talented freshmen as well in Lexi Ringler in Adrian Nagy in Gabby Cusano you imagine we're going to see at least one or two of them play this weekend as well uh but I do have to say uh you know in terms of the top end talent in terms of the depth I think think Texas really does start the tier. Maybe, you know, maybe them and Stanford pretty similar. Stanford probably still a nudge ahead, but I don't think this Texas team is in the same tier as the UCLA's, as the UNC's, as the Georgia's entering this season, despite having that many returners. That being said, how do you see this Texas team comparing against their opponents here uh, tomorrow, Chris, in Florida State? Yeah, I, I think they get by this match uh, okay. The, the question I have really for Texas is, is where's Lexi Ringler? So she she played their first two matches uh, of the year, and she's and at three singles, which is probably where she would be. And I think she's like she's top fifty in the ITA rankings. But then uh, she did not play. She hasn't played uh, in their two matches. They got two quality wins over NC State and Georgia Tech, but she didn't play in e- either of those matches. So I don't know if she's hurt, uh, if she if she's in for this weekend or or not so I, that's going to be a big I don't think that'll be a factor against Florida State I think they went the Florida State match uh, either either way although it could get dicey for them without her at the bottom of the lineup because they do uh, there is a, a fairly good drop off for them uh, after 
after about, you know, at five and with her, with her not in there, five and six both get fairly questionable. So, um, you know, they, I could see if she's not playing, I could easily see Florida State taking five and six. Uh, getting any of those top three for Florida State is going to be a chore. I like Texas at one, two, and three. Florida State's recipe's got to be doubles, four, five, six, to try to to try to pull the upset here, but uh, I, I don't like it. No, I, I think that's completely fair. Now, you look for this Texas team. I mean, even after this indoors, things continue to stay tough for them. They have a tri- uh, they have Stanford coming to town at the end of February. Pe- they're traveling to Pepperdine at the end of February as well. Michigan comes to town at the start of March in Austin. They bring uh, they go to UCF, excuse me, on March 15th. So we will certainly know much more about this Texas team as we enter conference play. Stupid question here, but it wouldn't be a great shot podcast if I didn't ask you one stupid question. Given not the exact same compositions, but the somewhat similar nature of the two Texas teams. I'm, I'm going to name some programs this year. You tell me uh, who's most likely. Well, I think it's fairly obvious um, because this gets us to our predictions and our finalists, our final segment we are going to do here. Uh, of the programs with both top 10, you know, men's and women's teams, of the programs maybe even who have schools attending both both the NCAA uh, men's and women's uh, indoor championships, UNC, NC State, uh, Stanford, Michigan, OSU, UCLA, and Texas. Of those seven teams, how many have a chance to win both the men's and women's indoors this year? Uh, I'm trying to find a number bigger than one. Um, <laughs> Are you I, saying Ohio State? Who's your one, though? Is it Ohio State? No, Is on. it UNC? North Carolina is the favorite yeah. in both. I mean, they're the clear-cut wow. favorite on both sides. I will, I will say— Clear-cut. Oh, yeah. Clear-cut's a little strong. On the men's side, you can make a—I I could make a good argument for Ohio State as well. Uh, I'm not going to make that uh, argument on the on the women's side. Um, so I don't—I I mean, I, I don't—I think they're going to have a very tough time— um, you know, winning the whole thing. Uh, I, boy, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think and, and, and Texas for sure. I'm not going to make a, uh, a, I don't think they're, I think they're a better chance on the women's side than the men's just because of the indoor outdoor factor. Right. I mean, we, Texas is a great team on the men's side, but we saw them go in and get walloped by Ohio state indoors four Oh last year, and then turn right around and go outdoors and beat them. Uh, so from an indoors perspective, I don't, I don't like the prospect of them. Definitely not UCLA, uh, you know, on the, on the men's side. So I think that takes them out. Uh, North Carolina, in my mind, the favorite on both sides going in. So I'll, I'll definitely say them. Um, Georgia, good chance on the women's side that they're not going to win indoors on the, on the men's side, I don't think. Uh, Georgia didn't even qualify no, for the men's right. indoors. Yeah, they did. They, they lost to South Carolina. Um, ha! I get to tell you this time. Man. Hey, great shot, Chris. Yeah, great shot, Alex. Uh, <laughs> who else? Who else? Mich- Michigan? Come on, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, where Where else am I? Uh, am I Am I missing? Uh, who, who am I missing? No, no. So UCLA probably yeah, not. Said, no, uh, UCLA. No, I mean I think I guess the. The only Texas, uh, the only Texas, three that maybe. I even give chances to, yeah, would be North Carolina, Texas, and Ohio State. I would say are the only three that that I think could legit 
make a claim on both sides, but I'm not buying. Uh, I'm not buying the Ohio State women, and I'm not really buying Texas men. So uh, indoors. So yeah, I'm, I'll stick with uh, North Carolina being the only one. Who does better, the NC State men or the NC State women? Comma. Who does better, the Michigan men or the Michigan women? So two questions for you there. Wow, man! Oh, that's tough because we don't have the we don't have the rankings and draws yet. NC State on the men's side is looking at like you know they're they're looking at like a eight nine seven ten matchup. So and when you say better, is it advances further in the main draw or just gets most number of wins on the weekend? Yes, to that question. Uh, yes, <laughs> I think. Oh, holy cow! For for NC State, I. I think they're like they're dead. They're dead even. I will say that I like the women, res, you know, res, with respect to their competition. I like the women better. I think they'll fare better against their their competition. So I'll go with the NC State women in, in both cases to get further and to win more matches. Although you know they both they may both go two and one. I don't know, um, but I like the I like the NC State women to go two and one for sure. NC State men, I think, may go one and two. Uh, on the uh, who's the other one you asked about? Oh, Michigan. How could I forget? Well, Michigan. Yeah, the uh, they're the women are going in all likelihood going to lose their first match. They will have shots at the next two. The men now they've got they're going to get a little better. They're not going to be you know, the 16 seed like. Uh, like the the women are, so I I'll say that the men will fare better for Michigan and the women for NC State. All right, I think that's fair. How uh, how do you expect the Mississippi State teams to do in this one? Oh, oh, that's right. Oh, no, darn. They're, they're, I'm sorry about that, Chris. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not around <laughs> each one of them. It's my fault. It, I, it it's on me because uh, I uh, as you know predicted them to win last year so i've just sent the program into a tailspin so hey Shaq and daryl for the women i just want you to know that was all gruskin's doing right there you know that that's him picking on you guys not me and uh yeah we all knew the men weren't making it this year so yeah yeah it is what happens but all right we're in the prediction business now let's get to the final predictions of this podcast your finalists your winners for the 2020 division one women's national indoors chris will be who uh, North Carolina to win, and man, the, it's going to be a killer semifinal. They're in the same half as Georgia, so I think uh, you know, and and Pepperdine Duke. That's just a killer half right there. But I still like the North Carolina. How can you not take the school with like three of the top ten winning? Uh, so I'm taking North Carolina in the finals to win. The on the other side. I like. Uh, I think I like it to be UCLA. Ah, uh, man, that's that's the top. Yeah, I think I'm going to go UCLA uh, to get by, you know, Texas and Stanford uh, to make the finals. And so I'm going to go with a North Carolina UCLA final and North Carolina to win. 
Yeah, some historical context for you listeners. Over the 2010s decade, the teams that led uh, the NCAA's in Division I Women's uh, Championship, both finalists and title appearances, UNC had seven either finals or titles at the indoors. UCLA, three. Those are the top two things. Duke had two. Georgia had two. Florida had two. Northwestern, Stanford, Cal, Pepperdine, all one finals appearance. I... I try to disagree with you throughout, but at the end, I think that just—I think that's the way this is going. I do think UCLA a little bit more talent, a little bit more talent, a little bit more depth, a little bit more experience. The latter being the most crucial of the three than their Stanford counterparts. Now, come May, that could be a different story. But right now, I like UCLA on the top half, and then you mentioned it. UNC not only has three of the top ten uh, people in the current ITA women's uh, singles rankings, but they have a McKenna Jones who played one singles last year too, you know, no one accused them of stacking. No one said, oh, why isn't Davitella, why isn't Graham playing one singles? No, everyone was like, yeah, McKenna Jones is that good. And now she's at five, six singles, and it's legitimate. And that's crazy. And so I just, anyone picking against UNC, you're not doing this right. Like, go look at their roster. On paper, the, the way, you know, the position we're in, we, we don't get to watch the matches before making these picks. You're a fool if you're not picking North Carolina because they just have that much talent right now. They always bring their A game at the national indoors. I think that's the way to go. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely can't disagree. So uh, I, I think that's that's what we're going to see. Yeah, I love it. And Chris, I will. I'm going to say I may not bother you every night, but we will be doing our daily recaps of all of the action there is. And you can find those. Those will likely be mini breaks, not GSPs. But I will do my best to drag you back out. We'll try and talk about recapping uh, each and every day's play uh, as we did last year for the men's. And then, of course, after this weekend is over, we will release a similar type preview for the men's podcast. I know Matt Stachowiak will bother us to death if we don't let him on that. So that'll probably be the college tennis trendy. Uh, but for now, any final thoughts, Chris, as we head into this Division I uh, Women's National Championship weekend? No, I'll be a little sad. I, I'm glad you're getting to sit and see it. I will be uh, headed to a, a muddy, soupy Georgia for a mountain bike race this weekend. Uh, so I won't get to probably see so much. I'll definitely be uh, checking the scores uh, during the drive and then after the after the race on Saturday. So I'll, I'm sure we will chat and, uh, and and potentially do a recap that I'm sure my wife will love from the hotel room. <laughs> she'll be like who is this mckenna jones you keep talking about like what is going on here and though i will say chris there is no more soothing voice you could listen to during a long bike climb than mine if you want to hear the play-by-play i don't know how well the reception is on your phone for how good of the reception is you get for play site but again for our listeners like chris who may be on the road who may be missing some of the action just turn on that feed because we at crack rackets will be providing the play-by-play all weekend long i will be on court number one for the stadium match courts that's usually going to be the higher seated team playing at that given time and then quarterfinals semifinals finals we will be on the stadium court for all of those matches uh so be on the lookout for that for the more immediate coverage you know point by point set points break points match points doubles point deciders all those sorts of things for those clips be sure to follow our social media throughout the weekend twitter instagram facebook youtube it's all at cracked rackets uh on the podcast front this podcast the mini break podcast cracked interviews podcast we will try and crank out as many of them across the various platforms as possible throughout the weekend as this is one of those rare times when we have 16 of the top 20 programs all in the same place so you know we will be doing our best i also want to remind you guys uh 
you know, not only about our friends at Aerobar at Diadem Tennis, which uh, if you've been listening, you know Aerobar, the first tennis-specific uh, tennis, en- the first tennis-specific energy bar for our friends at Diadem on the forefront of all racket technology in the 2020s. You use our promo codes for Aerobar CR30, uh, Crack30, you get 30% off your order. Uh, Westoff is, is signaling to me in the background, so I apologize, Aerobar, for ruining my flow there, but Crack30, C-R-A-C-K-E-D-3-0 for 30% off your order there. For Dire Dim, use the code CR50, 50% off all of your orders on their gear, on their shirts, on their rackets, all of that fun stuff. And then, of course, our last announcement, if you've been following along, you know uh, I am the reason I'm here this weekend, the reason we are going to be able to go to all these different places over the next couple of weeks. This is my full-time gig now. I am with you the listener through the with this through the end uh hopefully you know we'll continue to grow as we have been but it would be you know we would significantly appreciate if you all could take the time to become members of our new patreon account patreon we will be uh, of course uh, a pay for subscription app the reason we are doing that is because because we're on site we're going to have the opportunity to get you know much more content in-person interviews the sorts of fun video segments you've grown accustomed to seeing on our social media all of that sort of thing now the reason we've switched to patreon is because we are going to try and do so much traveling we do ask you know that you help us out that you you know chip in the five bucks a month so that we can continue to go to all of these places and we will do our best to ensure that our content never dips to ensure that you the listener are enjoying tennis to the fullest the best that you can of your abilities at all time that being said for my wonderful co-host, Chris Hallioris, whose dames of the Liberty Flames, of course, we continue to be fond of here. For our super producers, Max Linger and Daniel Westoff, who continue to have a f- of an editing job to do. And believe me, you should see Westoff right now. He is in full Westoff mode getting ready for this weekend. For our sponsors at both Aerobar and Diadem Tennis, and from all of us here at both Track Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell everyone? Hey, great job. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.